Yo, what's up, Steel Mace Nation? What is swinging? Back again with another podcast episode for you. Today's episode is a awesome interview I had with Jake Shannon. Uh, the interview went for a lot longer than anticipated. Um, I don't really know how long it went for, but it was well over an hour. It was long enough that my engineer started uh, ready to pass out because he had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but uh, he he made it out all right, and um, he survived. He survived. He's good to go. So um, yeah, had an awesome interview with this guy, Mr. Jake Shannon, uh, the guy who brought catches catch can wrestling back, and just so happens to be the guy who also brought us the first steel mace bell. Um, he's the inventor of the first steel mace. He's the, uh, has the first mace training certificate out there. Um, basically established in 2006 and he's, uh, we, so our conversation went all over the place. We talked a lot about mace. We talked about the history of it and uh, we got into some wrestling stuff. Talked a little bit about, uh, weed, um, he lives in Colorado, so that's why that came up. And uh, we talked about his uh, new idea of getting Vyayam Yoga uh, basically into the mainframe of our society as opposed to the type of yoga that's out there right now. He does say that you know he, he loves the yoga that's out there right now, but he wants to see something else come. Uh, what I think is cool about that is that this guy is a motivator and he's a creative thinker and he gets shit done and I almost feel like it's going to happen. So, you know, check out the podcast, have fun, and um, please let me know uh, through email. Uh, you could write to me at steelmacenation at gmail.com and um, any questions that you might have. Share your thoughts. Share your concerns. Uh, also, if you're a YouTube watcher, subscribe and follow on YouTube. If you're on iTunes, please write a review. Um, I know most podcasters are always asking for a good five-star review. I will take a one-star review. I will take a two-star review. I don't aim high like that. Uh, but if you want to give me a five, give me a five. And... Other than that, I uh, just want to let you know that the podcast is recorded and filmed at a shared universe podcast studio in Eatontown, New Jersey at the Jersey Shore. Uh, check out SteelMaceNation.com for hats and shirts. I pay a little fee to record and your uh, purchase would be great to help support this podcast. If anything, keep it going. I have a ton of guests lined up. I have recorded episodes waiting to be dropped. So there's a way lot more to come. And I think you're going to really enjoy it as this show evolves. So anyway, without further ado, Jake Shannon. Jake Shannon, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Fred. Sure, absolutely. This is actually... Uh, insane thing i'm i'm uh getting to have an interview with you and uh discuss how we have a mace in our hands nowadays and it's uh all due to you um and 
we were just uh, touching on this before we started rolling that uh, it, Mace isn't even really like a, a major thing in your life or or e- even like you don't you only work out with it a little bit and that's about it right yeah i mean so <clears throat> yeah i mean in a way it's a huge part of my life it's so far as it's you know something i do uh personally for myself and uh and and i used to train the hell out of people for with it and and um you know i was the first one to do a certification the first one to actually have a uh, a manufactured steel uh, a mace of steel right. and uh, this is all back in 2006 and so in a lot of ways you know i i, I kicked off the movement yeah and i'm a very persnickety type of person i'm very analytical i have my masters in financial mathematics and so i'm a very analytical and very detail-oriented person and so you know i i think that was a big part of it you know i was like maybe the first candle and I lit a couple really important candles, uh, like Rick Brown. Yeah. And and Rick went on and lit like a million more candles. Right. You know what I mean? So, so I mean, I, I started it. I invented it. Uh, I like the concept, at least in the West, of training with it. You know, it's an ancient tool used yeah. in India. Typically, they're made out of either rock or wood, um, you know, some combination thereof. Uh-huh. And um, – but I was very lucky. And, you know, it was really interesting because everybody's so into, like, YouTube and Instagram and all that. And, I mean, man, I, I kind of lucked out in some regard. You know, I, I have a wrestling business, and so I was able to get some endorsements to use it as a cross-train into MMA. Uh, Josh Barnett is a good buddy of mine. Uh, I've known him for years. And he did a little YouTube video for me. And then, you know, what I did, and nobody – and I'm not just saying in the maze community, nobody anywhere was doing this. And uh, this was a huge reason why it, it went. I, it kind of went viral in the early stages of anything going viral on the Internet. I did a, a YouTube certification. And I said, I'm not going to charge anybody because, you know, CrossFit, everybody was charging up the ass for like a kettlebell cert. And I, that just kind of rubbed me raw. Yeah. I was like, this ain't rocket science, man. Like you can't be charging people thousands of bucks to, to swing something like, so I, I just kind of went the other way and I, I had the luxury of not having to make money, a lot of money with it. Uh, because my wrestling business was, is really my primary focus. Right. And so, I did this certification. I said, listen, man, you do a hundred swings. And I had a criteria. I'd have to look it up. It's been, you know, 2006, almost 15 years ago. Um, but, um, and a lot of people did it, man. It blew up. And next thing you know, like, like a year or two later, it had like 50 or 60,000 YouTube videos of people swinging the mace. I was like, holy shit. And, yeah. you know, I had made it, I had made a, um, uh, an instructional video, uh, again, 2006, you could see Rick Brown. Um, I don't think I have hair, but I think he had hair back then. <laughs> and uh, I was swinging it and teaching people how to swing it way, way back in the day. And then, you know, to be honest with you, like my wrestling business really took off and I just, I couldn't do it all. I couldn't right. <laughs> really promote the mace the way that I wanted to. I had to make a decision. It was like Sophie's Choice. And I was like, okay, mace, sorry, man. I'm, I'm going with wrestling here. And, yeah. But, it, but it's been such a pleasant surprise. In fact, I wouldn't change a thing. 
Except, you know, it'd be nice to get some money. I'm, I, I don't turn down money. I like that. Right. But, um, but I'm not really driven by it. Obviously, it's like I don't even really care. Um, but I think had I been involved more, um, it wouldn't have had this kind of open evolution where you have like, you know, like a, um, a Rick Brown doing a more traditional style and then kind of pushing for baseball sport, making it like kettlebell sport. Right. You wouldn't have um, uh, Leo Urquides or, you know, Leo Savage doing his stuff. Right. You wouldn't have Eric Milan doing and, and you know, and steel mace yoga and everybody's kind of creating their own thing yeah and that's what i love and that you know maybe rick was very smart he created this mace unity hashtag yes because you know there's so much contention especially in athletic things people are competitive and oh you know i do this if you don't turn your hip this way you're a dummy and i mean come (laughs) on people shut the fuck up with that like just swing the mace and have fun and be creative invent your own shit and that has been like like such a gift yeah. Such a blessing to be like somehow involved with all that. It is really amazing to see. Yeah. I don't know if you um, noticed on social media the past like two weeks or so, mm. uh, there was a, a little bit of a blow up with, with that contention that you're talking about. And it really wasn't, you know, the high ranking guys. It wasn't like Eric or anybody like that. It was just like people who are just breaking into the scene and um, – yeah they go around and they make a comment here and there, you know, like, Oh, flow this, no flow zone that. Um, so there was a little bit of an eruption and I'm like, Whoa, I'm like, I just want to, I just want to, you know, use a mace. I don't want to get into all this interesting thing though, that I'm noticing that came out of this. And you know, you're a competitor. You, you know what, what competition feels like when competition's on your back, you, you pick up your game, right? Yeah. So what I notice now, and maybe this is just my perception, but I'm seeing people flowing with 15-pound maces. That's impressive. Uh, I just saw a guy uh, doing using a 20, and I was I made a joke. I said, "Yeah, you bought a plastic one at Party City. That's what that was, because <laughs> it looked <laughs> like it was plastic, but." It seemed like an organic push. Uh, I guess, you know, maybe flow people were saying, well, we could go a little heavier if you want us to. So, you know, um, I think it's a great thing. You know, I mean, let's not, you know, punch each other in the nuts over this all the time. You know, like, let's just get, you know, let's forget about all that. But a little competition does stimulate more uh, activity. I think. I think being open and allowing different people to show their wares and, and I think competition in the sense of like a free market. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get political, but like, you know, like a, like a, like a flea market or something. You could go over to the tent that has Rick Brown. You could go over the tent that has Eric. You could, you go over to the tent that has Leo. You could do all these different things, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You gotta, you gotta take it to the flea market, hit it all. Yeah. But you know, I think what happens is sometimes when these guys are making money, and some of these guys are making really good money, you know, they're like, "Fuck you, <laughs> I'm going to take that money," you know. And so, I, I my only hope is I th- I agree with you 100%. I think competition is a great thing, a fantastic thing. Yeah. But I do hope nobody loses uh, sight of sportsmanship and basic decency. Not you know, no name calling, no try, just push your shit. Don't knock other people's shit. Yeah. You know, that's my my thing, and. And it's funny because I'll tell you the mace 
Yeah, I know that that's happened. I think that's why Rick originally came up with the Mace Unity hashtag, uh, which, again, I think was brilliant. Um, but I'm just going to tell you, man, like contention in the Mace world is like like a mosquito bite compared to the contention in, in the wrestling world, man. Yeah. Every, I mean, man, you get the like alpha male, hyper-aggressive, <laughs> willing to freaking work out more than any other person and then sit in a sauna and not eat. These are psychopaths. Yeah, yeah. I love them. These are my people. Yeah. But man, oh man, the, 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 co- the competitive nature in the business side of wrestling beyond the actual sport itself, I mean, I, I'm, I think Mace is a, is a really um, positive thing. You know, originally it comes from wrestling. That's how I stumbled onto it and, and launched it was because of the um, – uh, the, the wrestling in the Akaras of India. Yeah. These are like the sand pits in, in predominantly southern India. By the way, let me see if I have it here. I recommend anybody who wants... So that style is called Vyayam. V-Y-A-Y-A-M. Okay? And it is an amazing... Indian, you know, dot, not feather. Indian physical culture. And Native American culture is amazing too. But... Yeah from the subcontinent of, of, you know, from India is unbelievable. It's an unbelievably deep and rich history. And, you know, we see people doing clubs, which are basically a derivation of the, of the Jories, um, which are also in, in Persian culture. There's, you know, there's in the history, there's a lot of back and forth between the Persians and the, and the Hindus, right? Like thousands of years back. And so, some of the, you know, some people from Iran say, oh, no, we are the ones who started. And then other people in India say, no, we are. I do think maybe the Persians started it, but um, it re- and it was for war. But I think, um, you know, the Indians really brought it into the wrestling, um, the Kushti wrestling that's that's um, native to India. Right. Vyayam is their basic physical culture and and the gada or the mace is one thing uh the clubs is another thing they have these uh exercises called dons d-a-n-d-s which is um like a hindu push-up and the bathak which is the hindu squat um and, and a whole host of other exercises um what a lot of people don't realize is is so my wife is um uh, she's really into pole fitness. You know, it looks like the stripper pole and they oh, dance yeah. around. And, I mean, it's I, I can't do it. It is insanely tough. My little se- my little seven year old, he's whipping around the pole doing these gymnastic things. It's amazing, yeah. but it's really tough. Anyway, that pole fitness, which is getting huge, it's like being considered for a um, to be an Olympic sport this year. I, I mean, I don't know if that'll happen. I don't know if the world's ready for that, but um, it's getting very big. And that comes from Indian physical culture. It's called Malakam. It, it, people could go go- Google this, M-A-L-A-K-H-A-M-B, Malakam. And it's pole dancing, but it's not affixed to a ceiling. It's this like 20-foot or whatever it is, 15-foot um, wood pole right. buried in the earth. And But it's predominantly done by men, and, they, and it's from wrestling. It's another method of conditioning for wrestling. Right. And, and, you know, I'll tell you, you know, I think that's actually, it's funny because that's why I never really pursued it as much as maybe I should have, because now it's such a big, uh, becoming a cottage industry. But, you know, I didn't do May sport itself. And that's what I mean. Like these four people, 
they just do mace and and i mean i think you know all the mace they do mace for mace yeah and that's amazing yeah i did mace because i wanted the grip strength i wanted the core i wanted the stability i wanted to be able to get my conditioning up without getting a concussion or getting my wrist or my ankle cranked on you know so i'm excited because you know i i had a vision and it was a bigger vision than anybody else had but everybody else had taken that vision and even going further, but I really recommend people look into uh, into uh, Vyayam, right. and that's really what I got exposed to through through my mentor, uh, uh, a very famous wrestler, well respected guy named Carl Gotch, um, was the one who turned me on to it. And you know, it's a complete system. There's the mace, there's um, you know the Hindu squats. There's a whole program involved. Um, I do have a DVD of Carl teaching this stuff that he let me. Um, have the rights to uh, it's called conditioning for combat sports um, and it's been out for since the late uh, mid 90s he filmed it like 94 this is before anybody even is a twinkle in their eyes about this shit yeah and i just saw it and i thought man this needs to get a wider audience so i w- if anybody could find this book the wrestler's body I don't know if that's backwards. No, it's good. Yeah. Identity and ideology in North India. Yeah. And so it's actually a really good book. It's kind of expensive, but you know, it goes through and it shows how this stuff is being done. Now what's that guy doing there? He was looked like he was giving him a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) What's he Uh, doing there? Well, is it uh, this one here, right? He's trying to rip his hat off. I think he's just giving him a massage or something. Uh, maybe he made a bet. Like, if you could rip my head off, I'll give you a dollar. But see, the real end is to get wrestling, and they wrestle on dirt. Yeah, you know? right. So, But it's a, it's a fascinating field, and for combat sports, I don't think there's anything better, especially if you're a wrestler, just because of the grip strength, especially if you're using a weight like 10 kilos on a long handle. Yeah. You know, that's that's, I think... The only thing that I see with all these production maces, not the custom maces because everybody can get whatever they want, but these production maces, my only critique as the guy who developed and got this thing going is they're too damn short, man. Yeah. They're too, I think to this day, because if you own a mace original, that shit's a collector's item because it's not being made anymore. I kind of had a bit of a falling out with the manufacturer and I just, again, my heart wasn't in it. I needed to focus on my wrestling. So those things are collector's items, but they're still to this day – uh, this is according to Rick Brown because he knows this better than me. I don't swing everybody else's maces. Um, and not for any other reason other than I just – I mean, you guys want to send me maces, I'll swing them. Yeah. But I'm just not going to buy them. You know, I have my own and it works fine. Um, <clears throat> but it's the longest handle production mace to this day. And that uh, that changes the torque of the centripetal force tremendously. I mean, literally like every little inch you add is like so much harder. So – my one critique is like, yeah, okay, guys, keep your shorter maces, keep your lighter maces. That's fine. I, I support you. Right. But get a longer mace. Figure it out. Do it somehow. Like, get a longer mace, man. It's more efficient in the exercise and your grip and your forearms. I mean, a lot of times people are like, man, you look like Popeye. Because yeah. my, you know, I'm kind of a skinny guy, but my forearms are like ridiculous. Yeah. So. Now, um, would you say that the 10-pound mace – the typical steel mace made by made by the companies nowadays, um, they're like about 33 inches long. Do you think that those handles should be longer too, or just the heavier mace? 
I think they all should be heavier. I mean, longer. Yeah. Um, I don't mind the lighter weights because yeah, different people are different, you know, and they'll, I, and I see the advantage for what these people are doing with flow and stuff. Yeah. You know, that's right. totally fine. Like I, you can't have a bigger mace handle sometimes to pull off some of those moves. Right. Um, but I do think that I think it's actually easier to learn with a longer mace. I think a lot of these people like hold these short maces and then they do this half ass shit and it's just. If you just have a heavy mace and you lift it up and push it to the side, man, that shit goes. You don't yeah. even have to really – and then it's like that that pull on the – you know, as it gets a little momentum on the upswing, right. you just give it a little tug and it comes up. Right. I think people should play with it. And I'm also going to be honest here. Like, you know, <clears throat> the way that I came up with the mace was uh, – so Carl – was like a mentor of mine. Now he lived in Tampa and I lived in LA. Okay. And I just was so lucky. I, one day, one day I wrote him a letter about some of my ideas in wrestling. Okay. And he had a, he was very famous for not suffering fools lightly and being kind of cantankerous or whatever. Um, if you ever saw, um, what was that wrestling movie with David Arquette? Um, (laughs) and Sal Bandino. Anyway, (laughs) Some people might remember that movie. I can't remember. Rumble or some ready to rumble or something. Anyway, Carl was this real curmudgeonly dude and yeah. tougher in hell. And he's like in Japan, kid, they call him the god of wrestling. I mean, he, you don't yeah. get bigger than this guy. Yeah. And so I was thrilled. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, Carl has actually talked to me. And he's really nice and he's funny and he's kind of taking me under his wing. And anyway, so uh, I went out to visit him and he was very, very famous for having these incredibly grueling workouts where you'd have to do like 500 squats, 200, 250 Hindu push-ups, hold a bridge for three minutes, kick back and forth at the bridge, um, swing the mace, do all this stuff. And then you wrestle for two hours. Wow. I mean, the guy's a beast, right? So, yeah. but I'm not going to turn this down. So I go out to meet him and, uh, he puts the mace in my hand and I didn't know what the hell to do with it. And it was really unwieldy. And I was like, God dang, dude. And his was made of wood. So the ball on it was like enormous to get 20 kilos of wood versus, you know, like yeah. steel. You can, you could cheat it a little cause it's denser. Um, but, um, uh, I was hooked, dude. I couldn't do shit with it, but I was hooked. I was like, Whoa, Whoa, I need to do this. So I flew back to LA and I contacted woodworkers. I was like, man, can you make me this? I got these dimensions. I want it just like this. And they're like, yo, okay, yeah, three, four hundred bucks. Wow. I was like, oh, fuck that shit. You know, like, <laughs> that's a lot of money, dude, for this, except for one piece, you know? Right. So I, 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 I'm a pretty resourceful guy and I'm creative and an entrepreneur and all those things. So, um, you know, kettlebells were huge at that point. And I just kind of made a leap. I just was like, okay, so. It's the same as a kettlebell. It's just got a broom handle instead of that weird loopy handle. Yeah. So I just – and uh, Scott Sonnen had come out with his little clubs, and I didn't like those because, again, they were too damn short. I was like, man, this isn't like a real jewelry, and the weight doesn't move the same way. You could do some interesting things, but I wanted the centrifugal force to be at play in the exact same way these were right? because uh, I think that's where the benefit comes from, not – and I'm not a huge fan of like getting crazy heavy. I'm ha- I like having like a 10 kilo swing in a hundred times as a baseline. I right. think that's just a great way to start. You know, like then you're really strong. Then you can do something um, 
functional, you know, like in terms of functional strength. But anyway, I ended up contacting uh, a big kettlebell manufacturer, the guys that did uh, Pavel's uh, kettlebells. I think they were the first to do production of kettlebells in the United States, Torque, uh, Otis Meredith. And um, I pitched it to him, and he was like, shit, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I just was like, okay, let me build all the marketing material and, you know, put all that kind of stuff out, and, and, and here we are. But, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, you're, we were talking about I'm wearing Bill uh, Calvani's uh, war yoga shirt, and, uh, and Bill's great. Like, so not only does he – he's sitting there swinging his goddamn mace all the time online, which is great um, – but he's also entered my King of Catch Wrestling tournament and won the middleweight uh, 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 belt back then. It's an open tournament under Catch Wrestling rules, which is pin and submission. So you could submit people or pin them. It's like pro wrestling, but it's like not fake. Yeah, right. Um, you know, they're like you're trying to kill the guy and the yeah. guy's trying to kill you. Um, but um, he made me the, the, you know, the, the skull ones, the custom ones that he does. Yeah. And it had that bamboo handle. Right. Awesome, right? I, I, I mean, you know, everybody's got their own preference, so I'm not going to say a, a statement for everybody, but I think I actually like the wood handle a lot better. I really like actually the bamboo. Yeah. So recently, um, um, I was sent a uh, uh, Primal Flow Mace, and actually I should get his book. I'm going to take you guys with me for a second. I'll be back. I'm sorry. I know I'm messing up your, your scooching. Yeah, actually. I will, uh, I will right back. Primal Flow, um, he's the next episode to drop. I, I did a recording with Dr. Jody. Um, yeah, Dr. Jody, I mean. I'm hoping to so, drop the episode this end of this week or by Monday. Yeah, so Kadena's Maces, um, it's funny. We actually got to talking and hit it <laughs> off, and he is um, he's trying to make me a wood mace to my dimensions. Oh, okay. That, that, that will be a production mace. Yeah, so we're going so, heavier here. So it's going to be a longer handle and it's going to be heavier. And it's going to actually, I'm hoping that it's going to be very similar to the one that Carl, my, the very first one that I swung. Yeah, yeah. So while I'm excited and I'm like, you know, the, the, the first candle to get every, to light a few other candles on the, on the Mace of Steel thing, I got to be real with you. I'm kind of moving towards a wooden uh, mace yeah. in my own personal practice. I recommend everybody try the feel of a wood mace in particular the bamboo handle yeah because it actually gives a little bit you yeah know? i read that and somewhere it's, yeah it's fun it's fun so yeah anyway i uh joey asked me to write the the forward right to, to his new book and and i'm just gonna tell you man I, I i'm a published author i published a couple books and stuff but i just want to show you some of this stuff it's like really a great book man i mean the the drawings and the graphics and I mean, it's like step-by-step -step pictures and stuff. Yeah. He did a really good job on this. I mean, look at that. This guy yeah. is a doctor of like PT. So, I mean, it's so crazy to me that people are taking this so serious, but it's like the best dream ever. Yeah, that's that's what's so cool here. Like, like you know, you have basically, I guess you could say like three types of groups or whatever. The traditional heavy mace, tens and twos, three sixties type stuff. Then you got steel mace flow. And then you have this PT thing, uh, like Dr. Joey, yeah. where yeah. he's figuring out, like, well, th these are good moves for people that have, have shoulder issues and things like that, but they can't use a heavier mace. And I have actually uh, a few of his maces because 
uh, my first uh, teaching gig is in a yoga studio. And um, I just detected that maybe part of that group over there might not be strong enough or willing enough to pick up this metal mace. And I noticed that teaching, I I taught a few people how to do 360s with the wood mace. It's only like three or four Mm -hmm. pounds. Um, and, and also like when I'm beat up tired and I just want to like more or less figure out a move, I I like using a wood mace because it's light and, and I could just kind of do more with it if you know what I mean. And then once I learn a move, I could, I could grab my 10 and then apply it. So, yeah. And not to get too like metaphysical or woo woo or mystical, but I mean, there is also something in, in, in terms of as you're exercising and increasing your vitality and health to actually hold something made out of organic material instead of steel. Yeah. You know, it's something, there's something much more earthy about it. I just, I, I mean, it's just an aesthetic that I prefer. I, th- I really do prefer the wood maces. I think now is at least the, the, you can have maybe like a concrete head or whatever you want to make it out of. Yeah. But that bamboo, I think people should really um, think about that. I mean, the next phase for me in terms of, you know, and I think it was Leo or Eric or on it or somebody, they always, t- you know, they had this hashtag put maces in hands or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's I think a Leo thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of moving beyond this production manufacture mace. I'm really getting behind. And this is why I really support guys like Bill Calvani and others. I support everybody, but there are these guys that don't have a giant marketing budget behind them and stuff to, to get their word out. And, um, you know, I think everybody should be making their own maze. This ain't fucking hard, dude. It's not hard to do. Go to home Depot, measure out some fucking bamboo, get some quick creep, which you can pour in your own goddamn garage, get a mold, put some nails in the stick, put your fucking stick in the concrete, cure it, paint it. And you have like an artisan mace that you made yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, like, I do think that, like, for gyms or personal trainers, you definitely want to have a production maze because you got to have that polish and, you know, your clients, they don't want to touch grimy, weird, homemade maze, you know, right. that, you know, maybe you made some ugly monster or it turned out real ugly, you know. Yeah. So, I understand it, but I really encourage everybody. There's no reason why people should not be if, – if, if the poor wrestlers – because they live like um, – monks it's almost like the the kushti wrestlers in india it's a very religious thing they take a vow of celibacy uh they're very ritualized but they'll kick your ass you know and it's like those shaolin monks but these are like some badass wrestlers um if they can make a mace out of rock and 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 a stick you could do it too Uh, yeah yeah and there's something more authentic to that to me yeah and i think that's probably part of your connection to that because you you did travel over to india right no no huh no, no? i've never gone okay you never gone to... that's something i would like to do did carl um, go I, there I never it was carl no, that carl didn't either oh, okay. so so carl's an interesting cat he um if you go over to my scientific wrestling.com website i uh he was very reclusive and for some reason he granted me all these interviews and all i mean i'm just Sometimes I pinch myself. You know, like I said, I don't make any money from any of the shit that I do. These are all passion right. projects. Fortunately, I don't lose money either. I break even or, you know, like the mace, I just yeah. sit here and have an influential kind of thing, but nothing else. Um, you know, with Carl, it was like, 
the guy was bigger than life. He's pretty much a very strong argument could be made that he was the actual guy who created mixed martial arts in its entirety um, because of his influence on like, for example, the first MMA true MMA promotion to open wasn't the UFC. It was a month earlier. It was Pancrase and Pancrase was created by two of his students that he basically was like, put these rules out. Wow. Cole also helped, helped me put together my rule set for the King of Catch Wrestling. He also was instrumental um, in, the, in the first MMA fight, the big one, between Muhammad Ali and Inoki, uh, a- a- Antonio Inoki, who is a um, Japanese wrestler. But Carl was his mentor. He's the one in the corner <laughs> with him and, uh, and had to figure out the strategy once uh, Muhammad Ali realized it wasn't going to be a phony pro wrestling match and this guy was going to kick his ass <laughs> to where all he could do was kick him in the legs. Well, that pretty much ended Muhammad Ali, uh, those leg kicks, if you read about it. But anyway, so Carl was this massively influential guy. Again, the god of wrestling in Japan. And um, I was just very, very lucky to meet that guy and to have him take me under his wing. But if people want to listen to some of the conversations that I had, and some of it's about Mace, a lot of it's about wrestling. If you go to scientificwrestling.com, there's a link and it says – my conversations with Carl, or I can't remember exactly, but it's like that, and you can't miss it. Click on it. There's hours and hours of conversation that we had, and um, he was a brilliant guy. But now, now my he was I consider him a mentor. Yeah. But I was only really coached by him a couple times. I only a couple times he I was in person with him, but he was a mentor. I talked to him twice a week. You know how everybody pays all these coaches like a bazillion dollars to do your hybrid coaching bullshit or whatever. Yeah. I was doing that shit back in the day with the fucking bomb legend dude. I mean, I, I'm so lucky, dude. It's yeah. ridiculous. I, I, I'm Irish, so maybe there's something to do with that. But um, uh, he never went to India. He never went to India. He just was a freak about physical culture. He wanted to know everything. And in fact, when he got so old and it, he had like his knees replaced, his hips replaced, like he was a, a disaster. He, he really was in a lot of pain. Um he was he, he couldn't do the the exercises that he that he had built himself up with. In fact, at one point, he didn't even dedicate himself to it. But he was like five pounds off from the world deadlift or uh, squat record or some shit, no just because he's a freak of nature, you know, yeah. like an incredible human. Yeah. But anyway, he was there's this uh, he he was doing even in his old age when he couldn't get out of bed and hardly move. He was doing these exercises from this guy named Maxic. If you look him up, M A X. I C K. Um, and then all these like isometric hold things that you could do. Yeah. And the guy was still a beast until the, till the very last of his life. So, you know, if it wasn't for Carl, I mean, I, I might've kind of been, uh, 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 um, the candle to light a bunch of other candles, but Carl lit my candle. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so not only is it a chain of teachers, it's a chain of students as I look at it, you know, I'm not real big into lineage, but I do think it, the history is a little bit important. I, I think it is definitely. It's, it's good to know where, uh, all this comes from, you know, um, nowadays you have people dedicating hours and hours of their day into using a steel mace. Um, why not know where it started, you know? So, yeah, I think it gives it an advantage too. you know, everybody knows kettlebells came from Russia or whatever, but yeah. you know what I like about the, the mace is it, I mean, it's like, hundreds or thousands of years going back you know it's it's a pretty cool right history so now since no you didn't go to india so 
No. How, how did somebody learn? And then like, huh, sorry, and, sorry, I got off track. And where did you come in and say, hey, okay, this is cool. I like this for my training. Like, and then l- let me build a, let me build a steel one or whatever. Like, how, <laughs> we're missing a piece here. Yeah, so I kind of got off track. I get talking about wrestling, and man, my brain goes oh, yeah. uh, deep, deep down the wrestling rabbit hole. So, right. Carl, uh, and I have it written down somewhere, and I cannot remember the name of the guy who lit Carl's candle, but he was a famous, and I, in fact, I don't know that he was uh, Indian from India. I think he might have been Persian uh, from Iran, and he told Carl about these exercises but see uh, the Hindu squats the mace the the clubs the uh, you know all that stuff yeah the, the Hindu push-ups he was the one who taught him about that um, now you know Carl you know I think he'd be like a hundred today or something he he was an older guy he was born like in the 20s or something yeah so it was back in the day before internet before any of these kind of things yeah. but I remember Carl told me that the guy came to England and taught him these exercises. Carl wanted to go, but he had problems with his visas or something and couldn't actually get over to India. Now, Carl was my mentor. Like I said, like this, how everybody's talking hybrid coaching is all the, I don't know, whatever people are trying to sell now. Uh, But I actually had that experience with Carl, which was fantastic. But I wouldn't really call him my like, you know, for me, coaching – and I guess you could do coaching over the internet. So I guess he was a coach, but I look at him more like a mentor because I only worked out with him in person a couple times. But my mentor, my actual coach for seven years was another super famous wrestler. I, I really lucked out in this regard uh, in terms of getting knowledge and being close to these guys that are like gods. Um, was a guy named Billy Robinson. He did spend time in India. He actually uh, wrestled for the Maharaja in India. Um so, so a lot of these exercises, again, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Vyayam, V-Y-A-Y-A-M. And that's, I hashtag it in, in the Mace Yoga on Instagram. Yeah. I, I think people are sleeping on it. There's such an incredible deep reservoir of knowledge for people to tap into. Um, and, and, and I hope it happens. And that's, that's really what I'm doing with the Mace Yoga. When I call it Mace Yoga, I'm just really trying to leverage – the the um the growth of the mace movement in terms of turning people onto vyayam as a whole so okay. really mace yoga is the non-sanskrit word i use for 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 this vyayam stuff uh, right right so it's not like you go to and, and i love like doing normal yoga i go to core power yoga which is a big franchise i love like the traditional um vinyasa flow all that shit that's great i do it every day i love it i'm like totally addicted to it it saved me after i had to stop wrestling due to some neck injuries and other problems cervical injuries it really literally saved my life it was like do yoga or take pills every day and that was an easy choice right but um you know i see like this steel mace yoga and they're trying to integrate the mace into these traditional kind of vinyasa poses like warrior two and things and that's awesome man i'm like that is so freaking cool. It is, yeah. But, but, but the the kind of mace yoga I'm talking about is not doing that um, that traditional kind of vinyasa. You know, the 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 Bikram kind of the way they do the yoga these days in the United States. This is more the traditional kushti wrestling uh, physical culture program. And there's these other tools 
beyond the clubs and the and the maces, there's things like the Garnell, which you know you might see like my Tom, yes. my friend Tom Billinge, um, he has he he's making his own too, which I encourage people to get out there and be crafty with this shit, man. Yeah. You might make an innovation too, but you know it's these heavy concrete necklaces. And you sit there and do squats with that. I mean, it's so cool. There's so much stuff. Um, There's a great DVD, and I don't have it here with me, The Physical Body by Vincent Giordano. I recommend anybody. I think you can get it on Amazon or maybe Vimeo. You can get it uh, instantly. The Physical Body by uh, by, um, Vincent Giordano. It's amazing. It's live footage from India, from the Akaras of these people doing this. And he came out with this almost right as I came out with The Mace. And so we were really good friends back then. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. He's a great guy. Um, but he's got such amazing footage of all these different wild workouts these guys used to do. Yeah, and you – so when you went to visit Carl, that he handed you the mace for the first time. That's it, dude. So so this, this – And he, this learned, guy, he learned from uh, per, perhaps this Persian guy you mentioned. Yeah, this guy from Iran – and I cannot like, remember his freaking name. He showed him know, directly or he showed him like a book? He was, in, he was So Carl was a big name wrestler. And, you know, he was yeah. always on the top of these cards, um, these fight cards. And so they would bring in these other guys like from around the world. In fact, one of the most feared wrestlers in all of history, um, <laughs> besides Carl and Billy and actually another mentor of mine a guy named wade chalice who has the guinness book of world records for the most pins and wins in all of recorded wrestling uh but was a guy that people argue might have been the greatest to ever live the great gama yeah right and so you'll see these pictures of gama with these maces and he was famous for doing yes. like five thousand squats and, right but you know he was actually um he wasn't hindu he was a muslim but they they kind of passed him off as a hindu because he was in india it worked and uh and so there was a lot of like cross-pollination in wrestling of bringing over these foreigners to, you know, help put asses in seats. Yeah. Oh, cool. This guy came all the way from India. And so Carl ended up knowing this guy through those means and learned these exercises related to wrestling. Yeah. You know, and so that kind of was his own thing. And Carl was famous for these exercises for a long time. Not the mace. Nobody ever, nobody could get one. Nobody swung it. There's this footage of him swinging it, but nobody had those. Okay. Right. Yeah. So then I, I, like I said, I, got the opportunity this amazing chance to go work out with this guy uh and uh at the end of doing like what what it's called gotcha's bible which is really grueling it's where you um you do um you take a deck of cards it's a deck of card workout he was it's so if you google gotcha's bible you can find it but it's like each suit is a different exercise each face value is the number of reps and maybe like black cards are squats so you double the face value you pull a seven of clubs you do 14 hindu squats right you pull a seven of spades you do 14 jump squats right and you do the whole deck yeah anyway i had to do that whole thing bridging exercises where i'm kicking back uh, gymnastics where i'm kicking back forth and you know i'm just you know how it is after a good workout your arms are just trembling you can't even your nervous system shot yeah and he's like, oh, here, now swing this. And it's, it's a 10 kilo on a long handle. So right. I just was destroyed and had zero coordination, almost hurt his mace. I didn't want to crack it because it was wood. So I was just like, holy shit. But it was a bit of an epiphany, that moment. You know what I mean? It was a real like, oh, I need to do something with this. It was, you know, again, not to get metaphysical or anything, but it was almost like the universe acting through me. Like, 
all right, I put you in touch with this thing and you're a guy who could do these things. Here we go. Yeah. And it just kind of happened, you know? So yeah. I've never been to India. I do want to go. And I have a lot of friends, especially because of all this May stuff and wrestling stuff uh, in India. But I just have never had the opportunity. Yeah, I, 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 that's on my list to go there myself. Um, it, it, like you said earlier when we were talking, there's that rich history there. And it just seems like such an amazing place. And the people are so warm and friendly. And, and I believe with uh, the sport that we're talking about, they, they're just so open to want to share it with people, you know, and it'd be so cool to just go there and hang out and see what they could do and everything. Oh yeah, man. I'd love it. I mean, I've, I've really, uh, the Indian culture has really affected me. So like, obviously I'm, you know, this guy in, in this weird position in the mace community, I do yoga every day. And you know, the funny thing is, is so, it's so funny to me. So how little people know of the history yeah. of, of yoga and it's this like $16 billion a year industry. And like everybody just, you know, they, you know, like I live really close to Boulder and it's just, you know what I mean? It's like, you have this cliche idea about what yoga is and hippies and stuff. And, and the irony is that this modern yoga that everybody's doing in all these hot yoga studios and all this stuff, all the exercises originated with wrestling exercises, with Vyayam, all of it. Yeah. So when you say dandasana, right, which is upper dog, right, you take off the asana, which is pose, which means static, and you have donned, and a donned is the Hindu push-up. Okay. So, so honestly, and David Gordon White, who's a really great uh, scholar on the history of yoga, I would recommend anybody reading his books or just Googling some articles, he said it best that the modern yoga we see today is nothing like the yoga that was practiced, especially by guys like Patanjali and, and these older, uh, they, that wrote these older yogic texts. Um, so those were mostly meditative. They were just different ways of breathing and postures for meditation. You didn't actually work up much of a sweat. They weren't the physical postures, you know, the asanas. Um, but David Gordon White was, I think put it very succinctly. He said the modern yoga that everybody does is a mixture of that traditional yoga. There is some of that and they love all the language and the, the hoo hoo language and all that, the mystical stuff, which is great. Um, but then everybody thinks that's how it was in the old days. No, it's a mixture of old yoga, military, British military calisthenics and the Vyayam from these Hindu wrestlers. Wow. British like military dumb, calisthenics is mixed a, in. Yeah, British. Well, when they, the, you know, they because, occupied India. Yeah, it was like an imperialistic kind of thing. Right. But there was a lot of um, crossbreeding because of that imperialism right. in terms of business. Right. The British East India Company. Yep. A lot of cultural things kind of going back and forth, and um, yeah, they mixed in British military uh, calisthenics into the Vyayam, and then also with all the meditative philosophical stuff and here we are today and not a single person uh these chicks in their tight little pants or the dudes with their beads have a fucking clue that they're doing wrestling exercises <laughs> right right not a single one right i went so like i love core power yoga okay like that's they're they're actually a colorado company i think they're the biggest yoga studio they're this huge entrepreneurial success right i'm i'm an uh ryt which is a yoga teacher uh, 200 hours. I'm not a 500. Um, but, um, 
I did the teacher training at, at uh, Core Power Yoga, which is like, the, and they do great. They're really a wonderful franchise for people who want to get into yoga. Um, but I'm in there in this teacher training, and I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm telling them these, these things and bringing these books, and nobody has a clue. And these are the people who really know about it. You know, what I mean, know like are teaching the classes and stuff. So I think people are really sleeping on it, and I think that that this Vyayam, you know, if you look at the demographics, yes, <laughs> yoga this $16 billion industry and Lululemon and all that shit, all that money, it's predominantly women, okay? And that's great. I mean, it's fantastic. I love the idea of women doing wrestling exercises. There's something just <laughs> awesome about that. Just add a little jello uh, in, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know if they're into it, man. They could, they could make some money or something. I don't know. But um, I like this idea. But, you know, I think that a lot of men don't go into yoga classes um, because there's this weird kind of unspoken stigma about men doing yoga. Yeah. Well, I I think that we could bring men into yoga if we started doing a more of a CrossFit style yoga, which is this Vyayam. Yeah. It's this higher, like you do 250 fucking squats, dude. Your quads are going to be enormous, man. Like, okay, so when I used to wrestle, you know, I, it's such a weird thing because nowadays there's these lanky guys I used to do real wrestling, and then I started making money in pro wrestling, just like my two mentors, uh, Billy and Carl. And I had never had the level of success they did, but I kind of was on a similar path. But I could never get a booking because I was, I'm this tall, lanky guy, right? I could kick everybody's ass on the fake wrestling roster. I was like, I was the trainer. I was the teacher. Nobody messed with me. Um, but I could never get – I could never put asses in seats because I didn't have the look. You know, I, I, did, I wasn't like a spark plug – I'm really long and lanky and stuff. <laughs> um, and nowadays, those guys are winning everything. Like WWE's completely changed its whole marketing. Uh, New Japan, there's this guy named Zack Sabre Jr. who's built very similar to me or how I used to be when I was younger. Just turned 46. So my wrestling days are far from, uh, you know, they're far away. But um, it's amazing to me how pervasive wrestling is in our culture. Mm-hmm. And especially if you factor in like this yoga stuff. And I think we could bring a lot of men in if we figured out a way to add the mace and to add these higher rep kind of this more rigorous kind of thing. And I, and women too. I yeah. mean, obviously the more fit, crazy, you know, CrossFit type. And I hate to keep dropping that, that name, but it's just it's such a catch all, you know, like that level of intensity of exercise into the yoga studios. I think we could probably double that 16 billion or whatever it is by bringing men or having this more rigorous curriculum that for men and women, um, that's already been there and is actually the original style. Yeah. Yeah. So I see all these yoga studios and I'm just like, fuck man, I did this with the mace. Now how am I going to actually get the programming of Yayam into, into yeah. these yoga studios, you know? Right. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to figure that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out these days. I'm a writer Right. In addition to like everything else, I really identify with being a writer and um, I'm putting together my own book on the ideas and the history and it'll probably be about two years because I'm still working on a wrestling book, but um, hopefully that'll help uh, people. I'm not really, like I said, I mean, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'll shoot myself in the foot when, I, when I'm old and I don't have any money or something. So I'm not really motivated by cornering the market or being the, a guru, I, ha, I really have no interest in that. 
but I do want to affect change and I want people to see the benefit of these things. Yeah. And I think they've already seen the benefit of the mace. And I think people have taken it way beyond what I ever thought. I mean, this whole mace flow thing blows my mind. I could never do it. It's just, I'm not motivated one, but right. it's a very complicated is, yeah. series of planar motions and movements with this weighted object. It's very, very difficult to do that kind of uh, exercise. I've sat out there and tried to, reverse engineer it and dink around and i mean i'm just it's just not i'm not like a dancer or you know i don't express myself that way and i'm not knocking anybody i think shit get in where you fit in yeah yeah uh but i'm so excited to see the creativity that everybody is like bringing to it i i posted something yesterday this girl is hula hooping and swinging a mace i'm like uh, no yes kiss. <laughs> and, and there's also somebody out there uh, with roller skates on swinging a mace it's awesome, man. It's, <laughs> it's so rad. I yeah. mean, these are difficult things. People don't realize this nah. is like not quite Cirque du Soleil, but these are just some difficult fucking things to pull off in terms of organizing your mind to get yeah. all the different um, motions moving, you know? Yeah, and you got this like hunk of steel flying around your head and you're, you're roller skating or hula hooping and, and you look good while you're doing it. So graceful. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's uh, one of the reasons why I got into Steel Maze Flow was because uh, a couple of decade, de- decades of um, weight training, which I still do. I love. But the creativity that you could you know, how you engage your mind, you know, that's that's what caught me because it was the first time I ever was working out where I was also using the creative side of my mind. And having to think like several moves ahead. Well, if I'm going to do this, where am I going to lead to? A little chess match going on. And uh, it's also just fun, you know, watching somebody's video and saying, ooh, I think I could do that. Let me let me figure that out and chip away at it. Um, it just delivers it's a whole hard. other I energy mean, when level. I see, like, when I see Leo or Serena do I mean, it's truly an art form. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're really it's, – it's gorgeous to watch like a good maze flow person – uh, get out there, but you know, I'm, I'm really excited by these guys that are like Frankenlegs yeah. that are these hybrid dudes. They could do everything. They're just yeah. freaks, super strong, super graceful to me. That's kind of the ideal, you know, is to a real mastery of the nervous system and strength. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and, and superior mobility. Yeah, for guys like me, like I've had a lot of cervical and shoulder injuries, and um, the mace is really um, necessary. Yeah. It really is because it moves you through ranges of motion in a way that nothing else does. You can't do it static. You can't do it with anything else. I mean, you know, I see a lot of these people. This is the weird thing to me about the maces, the shorter maces, like like the Onnit mace. Um, and, and like uh, the one that I really like, they make is the quad. Yeah, the I was going to ask longer. you. Yeah, that's a longer handle, and it's wood. Right. So that's a, that to me is a good product. And I mean, they all, I've seen the other maces; they're they're well made and all that. But my problem is, from an entrepreneur standpoint, is functionally how is this different than a sledgehammer? I could go down to Home Depot, has the same length of handle, same weight of head. I'm I'm doing good, man. I saved myself a lot of money and no shipping, you know. So, yeah, well, you know what I'm a, saying? Like, it's a little different. I, at the firehouse, uh, I grabbed uh, what was it, like an eight pound mall sledgehammer, and uh, the the handle, it's just yeah. it's not it's not 
Uh, it's oblong. It's, it's oblong, oblong. And it's yeah. not wide enough or a larger diameter for your grip. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's good for like one hand, uh, 360s. And um, I, I guess it really doesn't matter about the, the head on it. The head is elongated. You know, I mean, one, one good point uh, my personal trainer had was he likes using a mace with his clients to do tire slams and mm-hmm. not, not yeah. a mall or a sledgehammer. The reason why is because the sledgehammer can glance and then it can roll and maybe hurt their wrist, especially if there's somebody that um, never even swung one before. And there are That's people, right? That's a good right? point. Yeah. So he, he had that as the a The round head, the round head actually when it hits is the same yeah. surface every time. It doesn't bounce off weird. That's that's a great point. And, you know, it's like in the original Mace Bell DVD that I put out. And again, this is 2007 or 2006 when I put it out. Um, I There's a lot of exercises still on there that I don't see a lot of people doing. I tried to do like a challenge, have people do this walk the bridge where you hold a mace I, and then you walk it backwards into a bridge. I saw that video, um, yeah. Or using it even planking, you know, yeah. to walk down planking. But, you know, one of the things you're talking about, sledgehammer, uh, hitting a tire with it, which is totally a great exercise. But what people forget, too, is the uh, Highland Games, right? The Celtic uh, Highland Games. Yeah. The Scottish hammer toss is a flipping mace bell, man. It's a 10 kilo weight on a long handle oh really so if you go and get, yeah if you get the mace belt dvd one of my training clients back in the day when i had my gym in uh san juan capistrano down in southern california orange county um and man was he a fireman no this other guy was a fireman but this guy uh was a um he threw the olympic hammer you know what i mean where you whip, whip around oh, yeah. and stuff yeah and so i took him out we found we got got a a field one day and took him out with the mace bell and had him doing it with the, like the Scottish hammer. And it's great because, you know, when you do a competitive Scottish hammer throw, you know, it's made out of rattan, right. the handle. So a lot of times when you throw it for these gigantic distances, the handles bust and you got to get a new handle into the, the steel mace, man's the perfect right. practice device because it's not regulation, but it's the exact same size and weight. And it just, it's made of steel, man. I mean, unless you're the Hulk, you're not going to destroy this thing, you know? Right, right. So I wish people would start doing these other things. Uh, Like, I'm glad you mentioned the the hitting the tires, but, you know, like Scottish Hammer. I think people need to explore this. And it takes a big field. So, you (laughs) know, but that's, the mace bell has never really been confined by spaces. I do think that's the advantage of these shorter maces for like these steel mace yoga classes and stuff because they don't have high ceilings. Right. But what I really like is so many of these mace videos that you see are people, it's making people get outside. Yeah, right. And and also too, uh, I've had quite a few discussions already. I'm noticing there's people that just won't go to a gym. They don't want to go. They either have um, like an anxiety about it or it's just not – they can't make the time for it just to drive to the gym, park, and inside, and then leave and everything. They need yeah. to be able to do something quick. And you show them a mace, uh, a couple of swings later, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy one and just – I'm going to leave it in my trunk or it's going to be out back and I'm just going to swing it. And it's done. They're working out. They're done. They're working out. It's over. I think the ultimate irony uh, with the mace is that it is so flipping – simple this is the dumbest thing this is like the first weapon anybody ever figured out like dumbass cavemen you know what i mean and like it's so simple 
Like it is, it's ridiculous. It started actually. with a stick. A guy beat somebody with a stick, and then somebody else said, "Well, I'll put a rock on my, the end of my stick." And I can really <laughs> fuck shit up, right? And it just kind of escalated. But but guess what? That's super ridiculously simple, and it's asymmetrical. It's not like a barbell with the weights on both ends. It's just somebody who's like put weight on one end. Yeah, you know, right? To see the level of complexity in people's uh, fitness programming around this incredibly simple device. I just love that contrast of the yeah. complexity, especially like the steel mace flow and these people doing these longer routines and, and, and such. It's incredibly comp- complicated what these people are doing yeah. with this super simple thing. But it's hard. I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very bizarre uh, tool. I think that's part of the appeal, too. Is it's just so fucking weird. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I, I was looking at it sitting there on my floor the other day, and I had almost the same revelation like you're having right now. And I'm thinking, that thing is just sitting there, but it, it's almost – like not almost. It literally – is changing people's lives and you know it's they're expressing themselves differently they have confidence in themselves it's like it's incredible that something so simple can have such a deep impact into people's lives and 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 the other irony is this super simple thing it's like the wheel the wheel is super simple too you know what i mean and it's like one of the most useful things in the world oh yeah but the other irony is that this thing is so goddamn simple and really affecting so many lives in a positive way. But to make it even further strange and bizarre is this super simple thing has been around for like a thousand years. And, and <laughs> right. it's like new again. Right. Like now it's new. Yeah. It's like this shit ain't new. This this has been going on for a million years, you know? What's old is new now and what's new is old. It's yeah, the way it is with cycles. us. Cycles. Yeah. So now I was uh, listening to your podcast, Do It Again. Which, oh, yeah, my wrestling podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, really cool because uh, this is a perfect segue into this because we're talking about how Steel Mace kind of changes people. You know, um, I grew up watching Hulk Hogan and everybody, but I never really knew much more about wrestling other than the entertainment world and everything. And then sure, I'm listening sure. to your podcast and I'm like, this is this is fascinating stuff, you know. And I'm I'm just marveling at the steel mace has now got me very interested in the catch as catch can stuff. And your first, I think it's your first episode of Do It Again. You're talking about the history and how in England, how it started off. You mentioned that you know this was uh, there was a lot of poor people, like really poor, and they'll do anything, Wait. right? And there was uh, some people made money being uh, a wrestler. Then you start describing how it went down and, and like they they actually wrestled with these wooden clogs on. And it had spikes. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I'm, I'm driving my car. I'm listening to this. I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. And they're kicking each other and people are dying from it sometimes or getting um, mutilated. It's insane. You know, so, it, 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 you know, I, I look at I look at wrestling and particularly catch wrestling, you know, um, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the big thing because of MMA and the UFC was the – even though Pancrase came first and it was in Japan, UFC happened here. It was started by the Gracies. Um, but a lot of people don't know that. The UFC was actually a promotional vehicle for Gracie jiu-jitsu. And right. so they controlled the booking so that their guys always looked the best. And they did a fantastic job. And BJJ is legit and yeah. tough. I'm not yeah. knocking it. Right. I did it for, for a number of years too. Um, but, you know, I – 
I look at something like BJJ and I look at that more like, um, like, you know, if you were to make a bicycle metaphor, it's like the tour de France, you know, it's like the Lance Armstrong guys or the BJJ guys, the, um, the catch wrestling guys, they're more like BMX and half pipe. <laughs> they're doing some crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think there is this like jackass gene, you know, the TV show jackass. <laughs> yeah. When there's not, when you're bored, especially around a, a bunch of young dudes. Yeah. You know, I think things have changed with swiping left and right and fucking video games and all that. But man, my youth, I grew up with a bunch of skaters and stuff in college. And we used to, it was like jackass, man. Yeah. And, and I, there's very much kind of that, I think, craziness, especially the catch wrestlers. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, okay, I'll wrestle you. But hey, let's put on fucking wooden shoes and kick each other in the shins. That's part of the rules. Yeah. And everybody's like, what the fuck are these idiots doing? And they gather around and they start charging money. And that's really what, what I think the professional side, the making money side of making a living through wrestling is you're selling kind of flat, self-flagellation in a way. You're like, it's this spectacle of two men trying to beat the living shit out of each other. So, you know, like I look at the, the, the way pro wrestling is now, and I don't like the word fake, but it's entertainment. It's not sport. It's not competitive in the way like – like a competitive game of, of you're, wrestling. You're you know? talking about WWE? Yeah, or, yeah, okay. like the sports entertainment stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think that like that kind of thing, it's like, it, you know, what, what strippers are to sex, <laughs> pro wrestling is to violence. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's this spectacle. Yeah. And you know the right tricks to make it look outrageous. And there is some craziness going on. Um, but it's, you know, it's an act. Yeah. Right. And, and anytime you do something for money, that's where I think like, you know, a lot of the the bad reputation with boxing and, and wrestling and, and the fix and the works comes in is that these guys just figured, man, like, OK, I'm going to get kicked in the leg with these fucking spiked wooden clogs and I could die of gangrene poisoning because there's not even fucking penicillin back in these times right. over a bet in a fucking pub. Right. Like. You know, maybe we should figure out a way to work together where we don't die. And and I think that's kind of where it came in. But there's, you know, so even though there's like a lot of, you know, the the, the fake wrestling, by the way, is twice as valuable as MMA. If you look at the market, UFC was yes. sold for what? Four, four billion dollars. Right. WWE, a public company, if you add up all the stock, it's eight billion dollars. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's a really weird world and it, it kind of reminds me almost of like, like trying to do history, uh, when looking into like the CIA or something where everything is a fucking lie <laughs> and everything's covered up <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you're like, well, fuck what the goddamn is, what's really going on here? I don't, I, right. You'll never know. At a certain, yeah. At a certain point you just have to chalk it up. And you know, yeah. what I did was just try to go to the source, to the actual guys that were there. I try to get them to be real about what was as much as they would admit to, you know, and wrestling wrestling has really, uh, is just such a huge part of my identity and yeah. has been since I was like four years old. So, um, it's interesting. You know, I, like I said, I'm not opposed to making money. I'm an entrepreneur and all that. And I'd love to make some mace money someday, but it's just not where my heart is at. And I just feel so blessed and so grateful, uh, that other people have, seen what i see 
uh, in terms of value from doing these weird ass exercises, you know, and, yeah. and using this this strange tool. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit being presumptuous, but uh, what I gather about you because I saw some of the testimonials that were written on your website from people. Um, basically, you re- kind of resurrected catch as can, catch as catch can wrestling, and and you gave credit to the right people, and you, yeah. you, you know, and those people were very grateful to you. They said, hey, you know, basically you, you re- resurrected my career or whatever, and and to me, you are the type of person that sees wealth beyond dollars. You see wealth in in making connections with people, and. And seeing um, how you can support them and and really just make f- friendships, really. That's and you see a value in that. Yeah, I mean, really, I I consider myself, you know, like I said, really strong. I identify as a writer, but I think bigger than that, I consider myself like an artist mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And so the the real wealth for me is in creation and influence in terms of like having my work um, actually experienced yeah right you know right so so you know like the guy who actually kind of got me back into wrestling i kind of left it for a couple years i had cancer and had a whole you know when i was a teenager and had some uh troubling times and i kind of left all that physical stuff and went very intellectual and the guy who really got me back into it honestly was uh, was andy kaufman the comedian oh and and he really and it was because he treated wrestling as a performance art and um, I thought, wow, that is a really – he's using it just for comedic purposes as yes, a performance Yes, you jogged my memory. Right. I remember him doing the, that. Yeah, Man in the Moon, the yeah. one with Jim Carrey, that movie and stuff. And so I, I started just thinking like, man, wrestling is this really broad canvas, man. There you have the buffoons, the bodybuilders and feather boas, you know, mugging in the ring, yeah. stomping around doing ridiculous moves. And you have these total fucking beasts uh, in the Olympics and um, in, in uh, MMA and stuff and folk style wrestling. And I thought, you know, and then I started looking at the history, like the Kushti wrestlers. And I was like, man, this is a really broad canvas by which I can affect people and maybe have them integrate some of these ideas and things. And not only keep these traditions alive because they're very much oral traditions, you know, like – some you can't write down wrestling moves very well. I'm writing a book. It's like the hardest fucking thing to do to explain <laughs> how to wrestle. I, it's much easier if I'm like, put your foot here, yeah, turn yeah. your hip at angle, drop down. Like that's easy for me right. in person. So I think that you know I look at a lot of this stuff as art, and for me the like you said the real wealth is is for me being able to get these strange things out there and have people actually do them, yeah. and not only do them but then be like. Fuck, this is awesome. And right. then not only say, fuck, this is awesome. Let me add some cool shit to it. Right. You know, I mean, that is, to me, that is like, I'm right where I want to be. I'm very blessed. You know, I, I, I just, I'm baffled sometimes. Yeah. I look at the, the things I've been able to do. Like, I resurrected the mace and I resurrected catch wrestling. Right. And they're both. And it's just like a weird thing. They're both doing the same thing right now. Like you just described. You got people jumping on it and adding in their two cents and it's just constantly yes. evolving. It's amazing. Yeah, I started yeah. the, I started the first catch wrestling tournament in something like over a hundred years. I did that. I had kind of this miracle year, you know, they, they, when, uh, Einstein put out like his three papers on relativity and optics and all this other stuff, uh, and gravity, 
they called it like the Annis Miracleist or something like that, his miracle year. And I, you know, had nothing like Einstein, but I had this year, like 2006, 2007. I came out with the mace. I started um, the first catch wrestling tournament and um, like certification program that's still going to this day. Takes yeah. me all over the world. Uh, I've been to Italy and the UK and all around the United States, traveling, teaching it, and um, <clears throat> it's really weird. Because yeah. all that stuff came out in like 2007, and I, I, I for love whatever it. reason, I was really firing on all cylinders creatively. Yeah, did were you like when this was all happening? Were you just sort of talking to your friends, family, whatever, and just blah blah blah, doing this, doing that? And were people saying, "What are, what are you doing?" Like, were they kind of like baffled or? No, no, no. I mean, I've always been a bit of a weirdo, and I just do whatever the fuck I want to do. And yeah. people were like, "Dude, that guy." I mean, you know. And but the problem is, is when you're that weird eccentric guy and you, nothing you've done is successful, you're just a weird eccentric guy. <laughs> yeah, dreaming again, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I really don't give a fuck. So I'm just – I'm really creative and I just do weird shit yeah. like a lot. Yeah. And uh, so I had already – you know, I started – I went to the UFC because uh, they were in Denver and that's where I went to college. I went to University of Colorado Boulder. I grew up in Denver. And um, so I went to UFC too and – I. I was blown away. I was like, fuck, this is what I need to get into. And so I did that hardcore until about the year 2000. I traveled around, went to San, uh, San Francisco, worked out uh, at Carly Gracie's gym, Half Gracie's gym, moved down to Southern California, worked out at Gene LaBelle and Gokor's gym. Um, I just, and then went to every camp and every training I could. And then, you know, it was in the early days of, of UFC, and I just couldn't catch a fucking break. I couldn't get booked on a show because there weren't that many shows back then. You have to remember, like, UFC didn't even really become, like, anything that people gave a shit about until the Ultimate Fighter TV show in the, you know, early 2000s. You know, that reality show. That's yeah. what really made the UFC. Right. Um, and, and when I was doing it, they didn't have the athletic commissions involved. I didn't know fucking any bookers. I didn't know how to get involved. And I just was like, man, I'm getting older and I'm, you know, I'm kicking these people's asses in the gym, but I can't get a fucking booking on these shows because they're so few and far between. And so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go do pro wrestling. <laughs> and it was, you know, Andy Kaufman kind of turned me on to this idea of like, oh, you know, wrestling, yeah, it's fake, but that could be pretty fucking cool if you play it right. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to leave grappling and I'm going to go into pro wrestling. And I ended up getting booked on, uh, well, I, I got booked on the Vans Warped Tour in 2001. They ended up having a, um, a a wrestling attraction. You know, they have like BMX and skaters and all that in between the punk rock yeah, bands. Right. Well, that year, um, one of the bands was pretty influential in the booking for the Warped Tour. Decided to do pro wrestling, and I got picked up. And I toured the United States and Canada uh, doing wrestling. And it was actually interesting because we were the number two biggest organization at that time in terms of live audience because WCW had just folded and been bought by WWE and it was this right. real weird time in 2001 so I was getting this huge exposure I wrestled some guys from Japan and that's actually how I really got deep into the catch wrestling stuff um, was through doing pro wrestling and, and talking to these old timers there's this fraternal organization uh, called the Cauliflower Alley Club and I got involved with them, became a lifetime member, and got hooked up with some of the old timers. They're like, listen, man, I know what you're talking about. Because I would have my own ideas and my problems. I'd be like, I fucking hate it, dude. I want to quit wrestling because 
you know, I'm never getting a shot because I don't have the look, but I can kick these guys' asses for real. I should just shoot on them in the fucking ring and take the belt. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you guys, you need to start looking at catch wrestling. They started turning me on to all these old timers. Uh, and that's eventually how I ended up getting over to, to Carl Gotch and, and Billy Robinson and, and really seriously studying. And I mean, I've been so blessed. I mean, it's crazy. Like, so here's a book. Uh, is that backwards or is it no, forwards? Because on my screen it's backwards. I think okay, the, so I God, think the Japanese writing is backwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to me too. Um, but Gotch is training, right? This is a book that just came out. Yeah. And uh, it's all about the Vyayam. It's not even about Carl's wrestling moves per se. But, um, you know, like they even got me to write some content. Yeah. Uh, for the book and there's me with the mace i think right. yeah there's the bases in it so um wrestling's been very good to me i've been very lucky in that regard especially to have such incredible coaches and and to have something like the mace really have legs on its own too has been an honor for me to be able to push carl yeah in that yeah realm. so um you said that these guys were telling you hey you you should look into catch as catch can wrestling and that's what turned you on to carl and um a couple of the other guys just uh, hypothetical. What would have happened if you didn't go that route, and what would have happened to Catch's Cat Can Wrestling? Would it have kind of dissolved away, or? Well, at the, at the time when I got involved, it was mostly a lot of guys trying to make money off of kind of. Uh, they were selling videos, and you know, back in the day, like VHS tapes and yeah. stuff, and. Um, and they were charging like ridiculous, like seven hundred dollars for like five tapes of this wow. material and stuff. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Wow. Back in those days, yeah. dollars, that's not just for inflation. Right. Um, so I just think it would probably not really, I think it would probably just be a weird, obscure footnote that people talk about. I don't know. Maybe somebody else would have come along and done all the things. Guarantee you the mace wouldn't exist. Yeah. yeah right. Be, if I had been hit by a bus the day before, right. Uh, uh, if I'd been hit by a bus the day before I did uh, created the mace, or the day before Rick Brown, I'm out in my fucking the very first mace video on YouTube is me in front of my apartment in Dana Point, my wife filming it, and I'm out there jumping rope and I have some Indian clubs. This is like 2006. I I was a freak show. People are like, what in the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> and, uh, and and fucking. You know, and, and at this point, I had had some notoriety, and back then, there was, like, all this fucking beef in wrestling, dude. Like, everybody wanted to fight it. It was like, I'm too old. My testosterone's, like, at 46-year-old level, so I'm glad. I'm like, that shit's a fucking waste of time. But, um, you know, back then, it's Southern California, too. It's, like, a lot of fucking fighters, a lot of – and I'm out doing the maze because I can't do it in my apartment. And this fucking, like, lowrider beater, beater car – making weird noises, clunking around, but it's like almost touching the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's not like a lowrider. It's not like tricked out or anything. It's just like a guy, like a car somebody gets to go back and forth to work. <laughs> like drives by me and then like screeches and backs up and I'm like, oh, fuck, I might have to kick somebody's ass here. You know what I mean? Like I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm like, got this steel yeah, You're about I'm to like, get right. jumped. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Who is this guy? And out steps Rick Brown. Yeah. And Rick, you know, is like fucking 6'5", giant motherfucker. I'm not six foot, but like he's a big dude. Yeah. And he's like, hey, what is that thing? And I'm like, oh, this is a mace, man. Come here. And so we started swinging. And I go over to his car. It's not a low rider. 
He's got like 50 fucking giant kettlebells in the in this car, and it's just like, drop the whole thing, man. <laughs> I mean, so that was the first time I met met uh, Rick, and um, he had already seen my car. Like I had fucking wrapped my car ridiculous yeah. to, to try to promote this and shit. He told and the he story. Had seen it driving around. He told the story uh, uh, that he, you drove past him, and he sees he sees learn how to swing a mace. <laughs> and he chased you. That's how come you wound up, I guess, in front of your house or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he actually lived like I lived on this street in Dana Point called Golden Lantern. He literally lived like two blocks away. It was totally, again, yeah. kind of cosmic. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I don't like to get too metaphysical, but you know, I'm a mathematician. I understand statistics. And some of this shit, chance doesn't describe it. Yeah, right. You know, like, so Rick came over and we started playing with it. And he just really had a moment like I did with Carl. He just sat there and he was like, he was so into kettlebells, but he was like, God damn, this thing is fucking unwieldy and it's going to make me strong. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and man, he really took the ball and ran with it. So while I was doing all my marketing push and kind of touring the world, coaching catch wrestling with, um, with Billy Robinson as, as his right hand man for seven years, I was so obsessed with that. And so <clears throat> called to that as my calling Thank God for Rick Brown because Rick really took that. And, you know, like I said, I had Josh Barnett. I had some MMA guys swinging it and endorsing it and stuff. But it was really Rick's legwork of him, you know, again, with Leo's phrase, putting maces in hands. Man, that guy was out like the Johnny Appleseed of, of the mace bell, really pushing it. And I don't think it would be where it would be today without Rick as well. Yeah, I think everybody's added their own thing. You know, like when Onnit got involved, that was like a whole other level yeah, that yeah. I noticed too. Yeah, I was already getting like people recognizing me on the street and weird shit like that. But when I got involved, it was like huge, dude. Like that was such an explosion for the mace. So I'm very grateful uh, to to on it um, and all those guys for what they've done. As yeah, because well. so many people are switched on to, to on it to begin with. It's like, you know, the mecca of of uh, physical fitness nowadays. So anything coming out of there that's got to be good let's check it out you know so and then plus the, the commercial level you know the marketing and everything that's there that, oh know. dude they, i mean they just have a budget and yeah. they just have a really smart um approach to it that i just i put that i'll put all mine into my wrestling you yeah. know what i mean so i'm just grateful that these guys also saw it and then innovated i mean i look at eric Malant's shit that guy's a beast dude i mean some of these guys, I want to. I don't know how old they are. Like I'm 46, so I'm not. Some of these guys, I'm like motherfuckers. Okay, you're good with the mace, and that's awesome. But now you're fucking ready for wrestling. Like, come on, like <laughs> hit me up. Let's get you fucking booked on some shows and kick some ass. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I look at Eric. I, I look at Eric Milan. That guy. That guy's ready. I mean, I think he already has some martial arts training and stuff. Yeah. But man. Yeah. That guy's got the physical conditioning tight. Right. So, you know, uh, to me, like. On it was huge because what I tried the on it of my time was CrossFit. I had one of the first right. CrossFit boxes back in 2006. My gym in San Juan Capistrano was called CrossFit Beach Cities. That's where we filmed um, the first Mace Bell DVD, and I had a wrestling ring in there. It was really a neat little spot in uh, San Juan Capistrano. Um, but the CrossFit community really never really got behind it. You know what I mean? It was too weird. It was too early. I didn't have enough fucking uh people behind me doing yeah, it it was yeah. just kind of me and a handful of weird martial arts people and uh uh on it seems to have really to me taken the zeitgeist from 
from CrossFit away. You know, it's like the baton got passed or maybe stolen. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So and it's doing great things. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um. It's, Wish those bastards give me some stock for my contribution, but hey, I'm I'm just saying, hey, you guys feeling generous? Send me some Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah, if you like, guys are listening. <laughs> Uh, I'm totally I, kidding. Shane, I'm really grateful for what they did. I met Sh- I met Shane um, Hein. Mm. Uh, I did an on it uh, certification class. Um, okay. Uh, the durability class. We did it in New York City, and he, that guy is incredible. The way he moves and everything. Um, yeah, that was an awesome class. I would definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, you've got you've got you've got him. You've got Eric uh, Milland, and you got Leo. All these guys coming out of there. And they are really talented, Tight, man. Yeah, They're really talented. They could do shit that I can't do. Thank God that they think this is cool. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, just let it run, right? And and then these talented people are coming in and, and just blowing the doors off. Yeah, it's insane. Like, you go and you do a, a, a search um, for, like, Mace Bell or Steel Mace, you know, which is fine. I don't really give a shit. Like, you know, they... Wanted to rebrand it, and that's totally cool. I don't. I really don't give a shit. My whole thing is like getting people swinging maces. Yeah. I really do like that phrase that Leo says, uh, "putting maces in hands." Yeah. That's the whole thing. Uh, again, I, I would encourage people to try to make their own, though. You, you should. You should mess. People should mess around with that. Yeah, I, I have. I have intentions to do so. Um, I'm going to do one. Like you know, when when uh, the summer's over, my my daughter goes back to school and everything. I'm going to go shopping and go in my garage and mess around. And I'm I'm going to probably add some shot to the quick create to make it a little heavier. Yeah. You know. Yes. I'll get some uh, lead shot or something. Throw that in there and then see how it goes. So yeah, I think. I think I'm going to start making my own artisan maces. I think that people might like to have a mace, you know, an artist mace, a custom artist mace with yeah. a bamboo handle uh, by the guy who kind of, you know, revitalized yes. the, the swinging. So I might start doing that. But again, I'm not really in any hurry, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> It'll get done sooner or later. <laughs> It'll get done one of these days. <laughs> one day. Uh, so the... Um with your uh, background in catch as catch can, do you mm. do you see um, that particular wrestling getting bigger as time goes on now uh, and, and getting? Because I saw there was some training with Ken Shamrock, right? And he he oh you, yeah. So I mean, Ken, um, Ken was like he was flying the flag for catch wrestling like in those early UFCs. You know yeah. what I mean, like. And people never really recognize that. Same with Frank. I'm, uh, let's see, I'll show you my little thing here. I don't know if you could see this. Can you see my little thing there? The yeah. Shamrock submission fighting? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, he, he's one of my coaches. He's a brilliant dude. That guy's oh, a genius uh, physically, like what he's able to do with his body. But, you know, catch wrestling's a weird, um, it's weird because it, it has gotten bigger. And, like, we're holding competitions and in the same way that you know i started the mace bell and everybody's doing their own mace bell well now when i started the tournament in 2007 now there's all these other people doing tournaments and it's awesome i love it that's the point right, right. it's like i don't want to be some guru top-down guy i mean i don't want people telling me what to do or anything i'm like libertarian i'm like you know anarchist i'm like just leave me the fuck alone you can do your own thing i'm not gonna stop you just yeah. you know but um so i'm thrilled to see all these people doing it but you know the fact is this like <clears throat> Last year, almost a year ago, I tried to put on 
well, I did put on uh, with a very good friend of mine and one of my guys, uh, Joe Bain, we put on a world championships and tried to do like, you know, we've been doing these open invitationals for since 2007 where anybody can come. It's like a grappling tournament, like a jiu-jitsu tournament. Anybody could sign up. You throw down 50 bucks, you get two matches, blah, blah, blah. Well, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to do like a pro show, like invitational, where we get these high-level fucking guys, not just any guy. Because we've had high-level guys come through the tournaments, but I wanted like NCAA-level athletes, world champions under this rule set. Right. And we did that last year. And, you know, this is, again, after about 15 years of my efforts to kind of at a grassroots level get this built up as a, as a sport. And, um, you know, the sad fact is this. We had some incredible athletes. We really did. We had badass, badass dudes that had won all these other things. Um, and we only had 100 people show up. Yeah. 100 people buying tickets. Okay. Yeah. So you go to these pro wrestling shows, a decent-sized show is getting – Somewhere between five hundred and thousand people through the door. Right. That's sustainable, right? You can, if you lose money, you can't. It's not sustainable. It's debt. Yeah. And so we we really tried, and we had some momentum. But you know, part of the problem with catch wrestling, uh, I've I kind of learned a lesson, or I'm trying to take a lesson from Rick, and take Mace Unity, and I'm trying to create Catch Unity, because I will tell you, man, catch wrestling is like trying to herd cats. Um, <laughs> You take all these type A, super hyper aggressive, super hyper competitive, super hyper uh, uh, able people. You try to tell them to fucking do something, or you know, like, yeah. hey guys, let's do. Yeah. Oh, I want to do it this way, or this is wrong, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. So it becomes like a crab in a bucket kind of situation sometimes. So from a leadership perspective, catch wrestling is really hard. Um, I've said this publicly for a long time. When I started this. I had my master's in financial math. I worked in investment banking, mortgage banking. I've um, had pretty good but modest success as an entrepreneur. I, my wife and I run a software company. These things, you know, I'm not rich, but, you know, I'm free. And that's what I want. I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be famous. I just want to have free time with my kids. Yeah. And I'm just going to be real with you. I had three phases for catch wrestling. I feel that I'm entering into the third phase of my plan. The first phase was educating people about what the fuck it actually is and stop with the ad copy bullshit on the website trying to hype it and all this. Let's, there's fucking tons of books. There's tons of old timers. Let's make this fucking legit. Okay, let's build a base. That's phase one. Phase two was getting people actually doing the sport and doing it the right way. So 2007, I started phase one, 2003. 2007, I started phase two, which was the kick catch competition. And these training classes with guys like Billy Robinson or Wade Chalice, these incredibly amazing coaches. Uh, phase three was to actually create a professional organization. And I'm really that, – that show last year, it was great. I didn't get everybody booked on it that I wanted. Uh, Josh Barnett was supposed to fight on it. I mean he got injured with a, with a bad hip injury. It didn't work out exactly the way I wanted. I'm glad the footage is out there. I'm glad the guys – got put on the map, uh, the guys that are hungry and love it and stuff. Some of the guys I don't get along with, but I'm still proud of them and yeah. the effort that they put in is fucking Herculean. You can go on YouTube. All the matches are out there. You will not. So the, the hundred people that were in the, in the building, every single one of them, every single one was like, this was better than any pro wrestling or MMA show I've ever been to. I believe in this as a formula, but the problem is, so, you know, the, the big, the big event, for grappling, uh, which is, you know, catch wrestling without a pin. It's like any submission, 
but pinning is not a part of it. Right. Um, it's the Abu, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi uh, Combat Championships, the ADCC. Okay, yeah, well, I, I, that's backed by a fucking sheik. Yeah. You know? Like, right. I need a massive investor. I'm not rich, dude. I have five, I have a family of five, like, I did buy, yeah. you know, very middle middle class living as an entrepreneur. But, dude, I can't be financing these things, dude. Like, I just can't. I got kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're so gonna need. It, it, I need an investor. I need yeah. a fucking. You know, the UFC had the fucking Fertitas. There's there's gold. Isn't there gold in Denver somewhere? I remember something in the books. <laughs> people digging up gold yeah. and they got rich. <laughs> go no, look no, for some. The color is green. It's not gold. Uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. But I tell you, you know, that is one of the things that I'm working on. I just launched a um, um, a cannabis software, uh, point of sale software for recreational dispensaries um, oh, wow. in Colorado. It's called Budista, uh, B U D I S T A, which is actually <laughs> Spanish for Buddha. Oh but wow! What I like is it actually it sounds like barista, but you know? it has bud in it. Yeah, I, yeah, but budista. Yeah. I think that's so much cooler than fucking uh, bud tender. That's what they call them, bud tender. I'm like, dude. Alcohol is a shit drug, dude. Alcohol is like the shittiest fucking drug besides yep. like meth and coke, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like weed, weed, I could be fucking banging high all day and I could go do the hardest workout. I could, you know, the worst thing with weed is maybe you just want to chill out and laugh. You know, I mean, really, like it's like an amazing, amazing thing. And, you know, you see how, like the stuff that's happening with these kids with like epilepsy and shit. You have an endocannabinoid system. You have uh, cannabinoid receptors in your brain. And honestly, you give these kids the, the THC and the C, uh, CBD, yeah. and they stop having these neurological disorders. It's a vitamin dis- deficiency. People are deficient in these fucking cannabis uh, compounds. Yeah, It's just like vitamin C or vitamin A. You have to have it. Some people aren't as susceptible as others. But you know, you give them this, this supplement <laughs> – and the you know this kid has a normal life. They're not like having spasms in class and biting their tongues off. And yeah, and also the the pharmaceutical medications have serious side effects. A lot of them. Um, oh, don't start. I think yeah. with the epilepsy medications, there's a lot of lethargy involved, and you know they feel tired all the time because of the medications. And I mean, how can you do that to a kid? You're gonna put a kid out. Basically, you know, they're not going to have the motivation to go out and learn and stuff that that's, you know, that's horrible. So anything like you're talking about is is a freaking miracle. Well, when, when I was 15, um, I was diagnosed with cancer. So, you know, I started wrestling when I was four. I have these ridiculous pictures of me in peewee wrestling, <laughs> yeah. doing wrestling all the way. And then I got really into adding martial arts. I got my black belt. You know, it's like a kid's dojo shit. It doesn't mean anything, you know, but um by the time I was 15, I had my black belt and I was a wrestler. I was a fucking scrappy little dude. Yeah. And then I got Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma, man. And that shit fucked me up for a while. Yeah. And, you know, up until that happened, I was the dare kid. You know, dare in all the public schools and shit. I was like, oh, you do drugs? You can't be my friend. I mean, I was such a fucking nerd. Uh, <laughs> I was so straight and narrow about karate and wrestling. And yeah. I just was like, oh, those yeah. guys are losers. And, <clears throat> and then I got fucking sick. And there was a lot of rumblings even back then. This is before the internet, before a lot of the research. But there was research about cannabis being very helpful for cancer patients. You know, and this was 1989. So, uh, you know, I, I've been very, very involved with cannabis and, and as a user and studying it. And, and being a 15-year-old and going from being like type A hyper physical 
I mean, you know, and unfortunately, I, I think I was probably a bit of a bully and the cancer did humble me a lot, which I think was, you know, one of the positive things to come from an awful situation. But um, I also became very critical of medicine. I became, I stopped just fucking, oh, guys what, got a white lab coat? I'm just going to do whatever he says. That yeah. cancer shit was some rough stuff, dude. This was 89. It was like, I see these young guys or young people going through cancer now and I feel for them. But I'm like, holy shit, your incision's like that big and you can't even see it? Or the chemicals aren't like the same shit they run jet airplanes on? Wow. Yeah. You know, like, I, it was fucking, I, it was like Auschwitz for me, man. It was a I was like a medical experiment. It was, that was a hard deal for me. Yeah. And so as a result, I'm very, very um, skeptical of, of big medicine. You know what I mean? Like, if if you look at the statistics again, I'm a statist. Uh, I, I I've earned a living as a statistician. A statistician. I'm a pro at this shit. And you can look this up. It's not even controversial. And this is from the Journal of the American Medical Association, the largest peer-reviewed scientific journal on the planet. First leading cause of death in the United States: cardiovascular disease. Okay. Right. Uh, you're not going to get better at a doctor. You need to go get on a fucking treadmill and stop eating red meat. Boom. I mean, that's self-responsibility. Yeah. Number two is cancer. Okay. Cancer, same thing. Sugar, dude. Most of these cancers are coming from shitty fucking diet or environmental concerns, okay? Right. Those are all things you can handle with yourself. Third leading cause of fucking death, doctors, <sighs> medical error, Yeah. okay? And now if you take that medical error and you factor in adverse drug reactions, which is what you're talking about, the side effects, mm -hmm. you add ADRs, adverse drug reactions, to iatrogenic death, which is medical error. That becomes the number one leading cause of death in the United States. And I'm not knocking doctors, but to say that we have a fucking health system is a joke. And I'm not even talking about the way people pay for it or, you know, whether you're a fucking socialist or an anarchist or whatever the shit. That's a whole other point. <laughs> to me, get, make it free medicine and have everybody get to it, that's like a recipe for disaster. You're just going to feed all these people into these abattoirs yeah. that, 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 that parade themselves as hospitals. And get fucking destroyed either through adverse drug reactions or through medical error at these hospitals. So I things like the mace and things like Vyayam and mace yoga and wrestling and diet and getting proper rest. I, sometimes I think people overcomplicate it yep. and it's a turnoff to people. And, they, you know, well, I'm an authority and I know every little fucking do that. Just eat fucking right. right. Just eat natural food. Some that, you know, is relatively fresh, not processed. <clears throat> These are the things, but nobody wants to take responsibility. I think the only way we're going to turn this around is by sharing information like this right. and inspiring people to take self-responsibility for their health and for their fitness and for, for being skeptical of some of this bullshit that's good. I mean, all these ads for these pharmaceuticals, it's like people having a picnic and laughing and high-fiving and then the, the low tone is like, well, your asshole bleed and your eyeballs fucking roll out. And it's like my kids laugh at all these videos. They're like, yeah. what the fuck? What yeah. is this commercial? Yeah. What is this ad? What is this selling? I'm like, yeah, man, you're smart. Stay the fuck away from that shit. Just eat what I tell you to eat. Just stop eating the fucking Pop-Tarts. Yeah, right. Yeah, if the if – the took just even a fraction of that budget that they put into slinging the drugs and put it into an awesome campaign to teach people how to eat right and to move, you would see a tremendous change in, in you know, the, most of the people's health in this country and, you know, and the world. I mean, they put so much into it to sell the drug and they convince you that this is the way to go. And 
Yeah, there's it's, it's no money to be made. Pitch, in, you know, there's no money to be made in in a in a message. Eat lettuce and you know stay away from uh, from sitting around too much. There's no money to be made. You know, I mean, I do think that is the the responsibility of fitness professionals. Yes, right. But unfortunately, half of them don't even know it, and they're fucking like taking these whey protein and wonder why they have Crohn's disease like three years later right. or, you know, taking these crazy fucking supplements that aren't tested or like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's not the way to do it, man. I'm not saying being a vegan. I'm just saying basic shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. farmer, farmer, like a hundred years ago, basic, like this isn't, you don't need to make money on it. You don't have to do just self-control. A little right. bit of fucking discipline, you know, and don't fall for these dumb ads all the time. But, that's the world we live in, you know. Yes, it is, unfortunately. But yes, you're you're uh, you're right. We, you know, health professionals got to spread the message. Um, I take that, you know, personally for myself too. As a firefighter, I try to spread the message with the guys at work and the, and the girls. We're hiring women nowadays, and which is great. Um, you know, you know, it, it's it's hard to convince people, but you got to keep plugging away. And um, you know, this this is. This is part of the conversation, everything that we talked about today, you know, getting interested in things and, and, you know, moving, using a mace, exercise. It's it's all good. So, you know, yeah. I had a feeling that we were going to have this kind of dynamic conversation because uh, you have many layers about you. I wish we could, you know, go on and on and on. Um, I, one day I'm going to have to have you come back on the podcast or maybe we can meet one day or something. I don't know. Yeah. but. Uh, yeah, really, come, out, come out out to Colorado, man. Yeah, Remember, you can uh, you can smoke some weed and have a mushroom, and you won't <laughs> you won't have anybody kill you for it. <laughs> well, that, maybe after I retire from the fire department, I'll smoke the weed. Oh yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, you know, being a firefighter is such a great gig because you know I tried out in uh, right after nine eleven. I tried out to be a cop. Uh, uh, my brother was a Vegas uh, cop. He just retired, and man, I'm really glad I never made it, man. <laughs> I mean, I made it all the way through backgrounds. And then I just, I had this like epiphany and I was like, and I was going to go into LAPD. Oof. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I just, you know, I had this, uh, and I, like all the physical tests, I smoked everybody. Sure. All the written tests, yeah. I smoked everybody. Like this, I had a little hard time on the backgrounds because I did some steroids, you know, when I was doing pro wrestling and shit and they didn't like that. But, um, I should have gone into fire. <laughs> like I know because I have a lot of friends it's a highly competitive thing to get on with the fire department, dude. So that's yeah. saying something. Um, it's really impressive that, that you've done that. But that's a great gig because here you are, you get to be a hero. I mean, sure, there are serious fucking risks and you have serious knowledge and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, in, in such a great way, you're like you're this community guy that's just sitting there not creating problems. You guys aren't out lighting fires to create demand for your services or anything. So you just you get a lot of downtime. You have a great schedule. I mean, are you what are you like a three on three four one, off or something? Or? One one twenty four hour shift on seventy two off. So if you have a rough oh, shift, dude. you're you know you're probably going to be in bed the next day. But you know it's <laughs> it's not all the time. You know it's it's not. Uh, I think that's a great gig, man. Yeah. I mean that's really cool, and it really does allow you because you do have to be physical fit physically fit. Like there's yeah. just no doubt about it. And I think that's where you know some of the controversy about having women female you know female firefighters but shit at this time in the world dude i see so many women stronger than men i yeah. mean i'm like yeah i'd rather have that chick pull me out of a fucking fire that guy can't do shit <laughs> right, right you know yeah that's true it's true and it's funny what you say about uh a lot of cops will say oh, i should have become a fireman 
<laughs> because you know dude. that's I got a respect for cops. I mean, what they have to do and what they have to deal with. And I did look at the police too, and and I said, nah, I'd rather deal with fire than deal with unpredictable people that are on like oh, meth man. and have knives it, and stuff. So, I, my my brother was the uh, the sergeant in charge of vice, in charge of busting pimps and prostitutes in Vegas. Yeah. No thanks, dude. That's a stressful ass job, oh my God, man. Yeah. And you're only dealing with shitty people. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but like, you know, if the cops are called, yeah, that's like there's that's a crime. Like all civil fucking means have been exhausted, and it's like they need somebody with a gun to show up. Yeah. I mean, like that's really where you're at. Right. Right. That's a stressful gig, dude. Yeah, and nobody's nobody seems to be happy at, at any given point when when they arrive. At least with the fire department, yeah, we're um, showing up on a person's worst day, but we're hoping we could help somewhat. Dude, you guys have fucking like 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 sexy calendars and shit. You know what I mean? You guys <laughs> the, like that pioneered that kind of thing for dudes. Like you're like the you're the Chippendales of public service, man. Like you guys are like people love to see you. You know, yeah. But cops, man, a cop is just like a drag, dude. Oh yeah. And it's, but it's it's a necessary part of society. It's like a rough, I mean, you know, all their statistics in terms of like, you know, uh, marriages ending in divorce and 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 uh, civil, you know, disputes and and suicide. It's the truth. That's a rough gig, dude. Oh yeah. My hats yeah. off to the people that do it. It's like, you know, it's I look at it like another form of military service. All these guys coming back from yeah, Iraq and power Afghanistan. Military. It's like. Yeah, rough, but thank God they're there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it looks like you made the right choices for yourself, and and uh, you seem very happy with how things have gone so far. I I think uh, tremendous things are still going to come from you. Um, is there? Oh, but before we uh, wind down the podcast, um, one question is your DVD for your mace training. What other yeah. type of exercises are on there that because you, you mentioned earlier, you don't see people doing them. Mm-hmm. What what's on there? Because I'm I'm entertaining the thought of buying it myself, so I'd like to. Yeah, I uh, put it I put it up on Vimeo pretty cheap, so people can even rent it. It's like a couple bucks or something, and then if you, if you find value, you can buy it for permanent, or you can get it at uh, scientificwrestling.com uh-huh. or Amazon or any of those places. Okay, it. but um, I a lot of stuff like walk the mace or uh, walk the bridge, walk the plank. Um, a lot of ways that I would teach the mace and, you know, I think people have, uh, improved, uh, some of be honest with you, like some of the material is probably pretty dated because I was doing the first stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like figuring out how to transfer this knowledge. So I do think there's probably been a lot of improvements and stuff and there. I'm just gonna be real. It's you're, if you're, if you're scrounging for money, it's probably not your best investment. You might find better material elsewhere. Um, but if you're interested in the mace and you want a different perspective and you're interested in maybe uh, some of the early stuff of like what me and Rick were messing around with, um, there's a lot of stuff, like I said, like not only the the bridging uh, stuff, but, you know, the um, the Scottish hammer throw uh-huh. uh, footage on there. Okay. I mean, there's, there's some stuff that I still don't see anybody doing. And I think they're very, very uh, viable exercises. Okay. I think, and that are very challenging, and I don't see anybody yeah. doing. It. I did see like Frankenlegs and a few other people tried to pick up the um, the uh, walk the bridge challenge, which was exciting to see. Yeah, and you could see it's very difficult. I don't. It might be too hard for just your average person, but it's a it's a fun challenge. So, 
you know, if people are interested, they could check it out. Like I say, um, you might want to just rent it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> if you go to the – Not really side. selling it too much, but that's cool. Uh, I mean, I'm just being real. Like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't yeah. want to – I'd rather be the guy that steers people right than like trying to, you know – yeah. Hawk my wares if they're not uh, really that great. Yeah. I, I still think it was great, and I think it's um, I st- I think it stands up unbelievably well, given that it was the very first fucking one. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you go to the 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 Instagram page, which is um, Mace Yoga One, right? Um, actually, I think the person who had the first one, I think her name is Macy or something. And I'm like, oh man, please let me have this. She's like, no, that's my name. I'm like, fine. <laughs> so I had to put a, a one on there, but. Yeah. Mace Yoga One, and it's like, you know, the link at the top in the bio. You can click there and look at it, and I think there's previews and shit. It's super old. Yeah. It's super duper old. Yeah, it might be but cool, though. Are some, it might I be think, cool for I people. really wish people in the in the Highland Games would do the Scottish Hammer Throw. Yeah. And I wish people would do the bridging stuff. That's, like, my main thing yeah. that, that I think people are missing out on. It's really good for your back. Okay. And uh, what else um – so best place to uh, reach you is uh, Mace Yoga One. They can do it there or uh, Scientific Wrestling. Any of the social media. ScientificWrestling.com. Yeah, okay. yeah. Any and, you know, other? It's it's funny because and I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, I do you know I do coach wrestling, uh, catch wrestling, right? Um, and I've been very lucky. I've had some incredible athletes come through our doors and travel the world doing it. But uh, one of the things I do is uh, is I do Gotch's Bible. Uh, I make all the guys do Gotch's Bible, uh-huh. and uh, that's a real eye opener for a lot of people. So you don't. I've not taken maces with me. So it, with that kind of uh, exercise, I'm not really doing much in terms of training people with the mace anymore. Uh, but I am doing the Vyayam stuff that I the way I learned it from Carl under the same way I had to do it for Carl at these camps. So if you're interested in grappling, if you're if you're a person like me that does the mace, not necessarily just for itself, but you do it to cross as uh, to help your performance in grappling or yeah. something like that, they could check out either scientificwrestling.com or coachingcatch.com, and that'll take them to the page. They could sign up. I'll run them through all the Vyayam and all that, and then they'll learn all the weird esoteric wrestling holds okay. uh, and strategies that we have too. So. Um, but otherwise, I'm not really doing much with the mace. I do plan on putting a book out, uh, really, on the history and its place. And I try. I want to be really fair. You know, I really want to. I want to bring in what like uh, Eric and on it and and Leo and Rick and um, Calvani and Tom Billings and all these other guys are doing, um, and and make it kind of a a, a, a broad overview. Uh, of the sport so that'll probably I, i'm about done with the wrestling book so in 2020 I, i'm looking to have that uh Vyayam book out on mace yoga all right that's really cool so we we already have um a, a couple of books out by you you're working on this yeah. wrestling one and we have to look in the future this one that's going to come out in around 2020 so we'll be looking for that and i suppose we'll just see what comes after that uh meanwhile um you have your websites that people could check out. Um, anything else? Um, what am I missing? The DVD? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you trying to plug the stuff. But, I mean, yeah. shit, I am just so stoked that people fucking give a shit about the mace. Yeah. And that people, like, really feel the feeling 
the thing is, is like, you know, the mace is a very visceral thing. Like it's hard, you know, you see somebody swing the mace, it's like, whoa, it's hard to not look at it because yeah. it's kind of hypnotic, you know what I mean? The, sure. the pendulum and all that. But, um, and, and the, these flow people is like gorgeous to watch them move. But really, it's not to, and this is why I think Leo's thing is really kind of cuts to it. It's when you feel it. It's such a, yeah. a, a, a kin- kinetic kind of thing. It's yeah. when you feel it. And when you swing that mace for the first time, man, I'm so happy to, that that it's just not me. I just it wasn't like, oh, this is the greatest thing. And then nobody, people are like, oh, you're a weirdo. Yeah. There, there other people test it like, oh shit, this is something for real, you know. And then it has this. In addition, it has this long history. Yeah. You know, this gl- glorious history from an entire other continent and culture. It's it's something special to it, something magic. Yeah, definitely. And wherever you come into this, uh, you have that. You have the history, but you also have the future and what it might look like. And one of my questions, my ongoing questions on these podcasts, I, I like to ask my guest is, uh, in your wildest imagination, where do you think the, the mace is going to go? And yeah, what, what I'm really going to like to do, and that's why I'm writing the book, because I find that's a really good way to to affect change inside people's heads because they're reading a book, you know what I mean, yeah. and, and getting the information. Um, my big vision for the next phase for Mace, I love the production Maces. I was the first one to do it. I think it's a great thing, clearly. You know, like, I mean, I'm invested. I dug it. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. But I think the future of it, I really like to see it becoming more artisan based, um, where people are making their own maces. And I would like to see it in all the, the yoga studios. And <clears throat> if that ends up being like steel mace yoga, um, that's awesome too. But like we spoke earlier, my vision is really to bring back this Vyayam, especially kind of this Carl's uh, conditioning for combat sports in conjunction with the mace, to have this kind of like step up from it's different you know what i mean yeah. like like this hard core old yoga like the original wrestling yoga i'd love to see that um hit a wide real wide following yeah and and right. i i think that's possible because there's no equipment yeah like right if especially if you're making your own mace it's uh you could be in and out of this shit for 50 bucks at home depot and get the greatest workout the most challenging workout that I would put up against the CrossFit games against, uh, you know, get books, world's fittest man. Right. This is some tough stuff. That's what I'd like to see. And I, and, and I'd like to see it again. I'm probably the most, uh, communistic capitalist you ever met. Um, I just would like to see everybody out there doing it and, and for free, you know yeah. what I mean? Like really pushing it. And, and maybe these studios that do have to have, uh, overhead, like, you know, they could have memberships and shit, like have it like a core power level infiltration. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I'd really like to invade the yoga studios, but with Vyayam, not with this, the modern yoga, uh, which I encourage. I really, like, I really do like the steel mace yoga. What they're doing is amazing. I, I wish them nothing but the best, and I hope they kill it. But for me personally, I'd love to see just people playing with these high um, rep body weight, exercises from the from the vyayam tradition yeah and i'd like to see that get into the yoga studios i don't think there's any reason why it's just nobody has lit that candle 
<laughs> you know, and I'm I'm hoping maybe I got one more in me. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, maybe this conversation we had Try today. <laughs> yeah, the trifecta. There you go. There's like, yeah, why not, right? So I, I believe in it, and you know, maybe this conversation is the is the spark. You know, maybe somebody out there who's listening to this podcast uh, hears what Jake is saying, and you know, there's. Uh, like you said earlier, the torch, you know, you light somebody else's ass on fire. Who knows? But, um, you know, my only thing is this, I'm very open with my ideas and I share everything that I can with people for the most part, you know, um, I'm not really proprietary in, in a lot of ways. The only thing I ask is if I have a good idea, like the fucking mace, you know, just give me some credit. I don't even want money. I just want the respect to say, you know, like, so if you're able to do something, maybe you have a better Rolodex than me or, you know, you're better connected or whatever the case may be. I, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Roll with it. You yeah. know, like if you think you could take Vyayam and get it into yoga studios as a more, um, yang version of yoga versus this more yin thing that's going on and get some balance going and it's a $16 billion industry and you could make a living and you could, you know, employ people and put food on the table for few people and, and, and make people healthy. Right. And, and have meaning in their lives fuck do it don't just go to town all, yeah. I, all I ask is just say that I'm in the line somewhere of those candles passing along these ideas yeah know? well I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, that if anybody comes you know wants to do this they should actually just contact you and talk to you about it um, because put more minds together and you're gonna get more results I mean every, you know it's hard to do things by yourself and I it appears you're very good at juggling many things but still uh, anybody no, you can't do should it by contact yourself. yeah you can't it, it takes it takes that that family and that that build that tribe that uh, society or whatever you want to call it nation I mean, what, what, nation. what the next phase you know for me on all of this stuff if it, Money, what, what I found in my personal experience, you know, going to graduate school for financial math and studying it, you know, and money and time. Okay. Money is about resources and time is really the ultimate resource. And mm-hmm. all money really does in a lot of ways is collapse time. Yeah. So it's taken me, for, for example, with wrestling, with my limited funds, it's taken me 15 years to get catch wrestling where it is now. Yeah, yeah. Right? And with my limited funds with Mace, it took me a certain while to get it. And then on it had money and fucking collapsed time and has a lot more people. So at this phase of my game, I mean, I am like a legit entrepreneur. I'm looking for equity partners. I'm looking for people who say, here's a guy who's fucking uh, done magic twice. <laughs> Yeah. Rubbing two nickels together. Like, let's throw some money at this and see what he's going to do. And, and you know, I'm a pretty – I like to think I'm a, I'm a fairly good steward of those kind of things. I've founded other businesses and sold them and whatnot, in, in, mostly in the tech space. But, um, you know, with regards to the wrestling and the mace, that's really what it's going to take is to take um, a patron, somebody who believes in my vision um, in my ability to get things done and give me the money to help collapse time to make these things happen sooner for nice. more people but yeah. you know i'm not gonna pander and if it happens it doesn't but that's the level i'm at now i'm not yeah. really looking to sell dvds i'm not looking to sell my time as a trainer i'm looking really honestly more to have my ideas get out at a to a bigger audience and you know i just need um those people with yeah. those access to those channels i love that that's great so every, you know everybody listening let's let's help jake collapse time 
I'd appreciate it. Hashtag I mean, collapse time. <laughs> just message me if you have anything or any ideas. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm open right. to it. So, and I appreciate you, Fred. This is this has really been fun. I appreciate the the conversation. Yeah, this was great. I I, I definitely want to have you come back on sometime. Maybe you know when you drop a book or something like that. Let me know, or yeah. I'll, I'll already know because I follow you on social media anyway. So, uh, we'll do it again, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right. Be good. Take care. Take care. Thank you.